Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am so excited to chat with our guest today. Our guest is a modern Renaissance human. They are an actor, a singer, a comedian, a teacher, and most importantly, a TikTok legend. Please welcome to the mic, <laughs> Maybe Burke. <laughs> what an introduction. Are you kidding me? Pew, pew, pew. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing? Oh, I, I'm just swell after hearing that introduction. I've never... <laughs> what did you reference? A, a renaissance human? Yeah, you do literally everything. I see you everywhere. You're on every platform. I, I appreciate that. I've never been called such a thing. Um, but yeah, that's... I mean, I, 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 I get around, you know? I do the no. things. <laughs> I mean, you can feel free to steal it, write it down, put it on business cards. <laughs> yes, all those business cards I've been handing out these yeah. days. <laughs> I guess those are just gone, right? We we don't have to do those. I I mean, I made those like at the end of college, we had to make them. And I still have the stack of like 150 cards that say a name I don't use anymore and jobs I don't even do anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> But just in case you want to leave one for someone. <laughs> yeah. Posterity, you know? Yeah. Oh, isn't that so funny? I, yeah. I remember leaving school and they'd be like, make sure you have a business card on, on you. And I'm like, I have a cell phone. Right. Can't we just do that? I have Instagram. Like, I have Instagram. They're like, can no, find you me. must get an answering machine. Oh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. That sounds necessary. So maybe where where did this uh, Renaissance human thing start for you? When did you, <laughs> when did you start saying, you know what? I'm just going to do a little bit of everything and do it extremely well. Oh, shut up. Um, <laughs> th- thank you. That, I, I mean, like I grew up in theater. I since the fourth grade I was performing. I don't know. I've kind of been the kind of person who anything that I'm working on, I put like all of myself into in a way that is probably unhealthy. Yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. not the best idea. Um, but I like worked regularly at this community theater out on Long Island um, that actually no longer exists. It closed while I was in college, but I was like performing in the shows and like doing the thing. And then 
one day the like resident lighting designer asked me if I'd be interested in like running spotlight. And so I started doing some like tech stuff behind the scenes and whatever. Um, And then she also like taught me how to design lights and like, I became a lighting designer at like the age of 15. (laughs) Just like lighting beautiful productions of Oliver. Yeah. Just like casual. Actually I did cabaret once when I was like too young to really know and understand cabaret, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it was beautiful. I'm sure Um, it was. um, But then like, I don't know. I just like fell in love with all aspects of being in a theater and like I was an usher at that theater I would my mother was like producing the kids shows that were happening that I was in and stuff and then actually when I was in high school we had like a student run cabaret at the end of every year or like we called it a cabaret it was like a review show it wasn't like a cabaret it was like we I think it was Broadway night we called it and it was just like a bunch of people singing whatever songs they wanted to sing. And like each act would open and close with a group number. And so my sophomore year, a graduating senior passed down to me like student choreographer. And it was my job to like choreograph those numbers for the next two years. And then my junior year, we got a new director and he saw me choreograph a dance for the pep rally. And he was like, hey, do you want to choreograph the musical this year? Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I wanted to be in that. And he was like, (laughs) oh, you can do that, too. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started choreographing and then, like, worked with him a lot and started, like, assistant directing. And then I went to school for directing, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I first went to school for psychology, and I wanted to be a guidance counselor. That's a very noble want. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I like to think that I am a guidance counselor, just on a much larger platform now. Yeah. And I'm not working in a school, but I'm kind of like the queer community's guidance counselor in some ways. Um, (laughs) I would agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, But yeah, like my goal when I started college was to be a guidance counselor and direct and choreograph the shows in the school I was working in. Oh, so you just wanted to, you wanted to stay in Long Island. Yeah, I had very small goals. I also, like, my first two years of college, I was, I stayed on Long Island. And I was choreographing and assistant directing the shows at my high school while I was in college. I was, like, kind of scared to leave the nest, if you will. And then... One day I was choreographing a production of Seussical, the musical, which was not my first time working on Seussical, but I love Seussical. (laughs) Um, And I was also, my mother and I were also designing the costumes for it. And we like went out one night and were like shopping for outfits for the bird girls. And when I got home that night, I realized I hadn't written a paper for one of my psychology classes that I was in. And I was like, I'm putting so much more effort into these shows that really don't mean much outside of like the room that we're in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not putting that effort into my schoolwork. And then I was like, oh, these shows should be my schoolwork. Then I left the school that I was at um, and went to Pace to pursue directing. And then after graduating, shifted back to acting. I don't, I don't even know. Like there's like so much 
flippy floppies, but I've basically worked like any job you can do in a theater at this point because I just have fun with it. Yeah, no, I always find people like you who are like, yeah, I've done every job in the theater so interesting because like I'm so vain that I like started doing theater performing and was like, oh, that's it. Like, of course, I've done tech things, but they were all like assigned to me through school. Like I, I, right. I didn't have that like, oh, I think it's interesting that I would learn how to do lights until like maybe now in my life. But from now, from the first show I did at 12 to 29, I was like, yeah, it's a cool thing that people do, but I act. And like, that's all I did. Well, that's like so many people like have this image of me as like a very like narcissistic, self-centered person. How? And think that I am the person who just like wants to be seen on stage and wants to be a star kind of a mentality which, like, I do love myself. I I am very self-centered, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm the center of my world. I'm not saying I don't care about people around me, but, like, you put your own gas mask on first. Gas mask? Yeah. What is that? Life mask? Whatever. Well, I think it's I think it's just oxygen mask, but, I mean, we could say gas mask. The sure. world is crazy. Sure. <laughs> Oxygen's a gas. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I haven't been on a plane in a while. It's been a minute. Um, but, like, I actually, like... I loved designing lights. Like, I really cherished being able to, like, be on the other side of the table, as it were, and, like, telling stories in new and different ways that when I wasn't highlighted, like, I really enjoyed being, like, secret up in the booth and part of something bigger than myself. And, like, I was choreographing those shows at my high school while I was in high school, I actually elected to not be in my senior musical and I just choreographed it, which like I was the president of drama club. Like I, they picked the show for me allegedly, which like they did not. They picked <laughs> Bye Bye Birdie. Like that's not a show you pick for me. You pick Susical for me. You yeah. pick like, you pick Cabaret for me to be the MC. You don't pick Bye Bye Birdie for me. Um, well. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I feel like I have this reputation of like just thirsting for stardom where actually like legitimately it wasn't until like three years ago that I really started pursuing like commercial acting gigs and like mainstream acting gigs. And I really only started doing that because I really wanted to do the advocacy work that I do and I wanted it to have a larger and stronger platform And I started thinking of the ways that I could grow my platform and being on TV was a big one. Yeah. And like using the skills that I have to like grow a platform for my advocacy work, not necessarily for my stardom. Yeah. I think anybody who spends five minutes with you in a room knows that it's not a like narcissistic, self-centered, bad way vibe that you give off at all. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I thought more people had that idea of me, but I guess not. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'm sure people think, I am sure people think that about myself as well. But yeah, it's it's a funny thing being a performer and being a human with an active mind trying to help people. Right. Because the model or the blueprint that we see is like, well, you get to be a celebrity through this. And then you can make whatever foundation you want. 
Right. The things that people don't see is, like, how many more roles I could be playing if I wasn't turning things down because they were problematic. Like if I wasn't prioritizing literally making sure that the stories I'm telling are responsible. I'm not just going to take a role because like exposure or it's well paid and things like that. If it's not something that I believe in, if it's not something that I think is contributing positive energy to the world, I'm not going to be a part of it. And that's that's a big thing to say. Especially, like, let's just, let's be honest, you're not, like, a multimillionaire. Oh, no, I am not. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, it's not like a, it's not like a, I am already an established star, and so now I can easily say no to things because it won't affect my life or my livelihood. It's still very much so, like, building and growing. Right. And there's a give and take there, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are certain things that I'm like, "Mm, okay, I'll do this because it's a cute paycheck. But like, it's not like actively contributing harm into the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you had like a hard time leaving the nest. Mm, I did. Uh, I also did. I went to school in Illinois. I'm from Oregon. And literally had no idea how far Illinois was from Oregon until maybe my I'm, junior I'm year. I'm trying of to piece that in my mind right now. I don't know geography at all. I know where Illinois is. Where is Oregon? Oregon is above California. Oh, bye. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite far. Quite quite far. And I was like, "Oh, the Midwest. I'm just in the middle." And I like have a clear memory of being in junior year and looking at a map and being like, "Uh, it's like more more to the east than I thought it was, but Yeah. I got to school, got dropped off, and then immediately text my mom. I was like, can you just come get me? (laughs) I'm not ready. (laughs) No. It's just, it's hard, especially I think when you find a place, it sounds like your high school was in this community theater was this for you, where you find a place where you're like artistically flourishing. It's, it's hard to to leave that and move on, at least in my experience. Yeah, it was a thing that, like, I was aware, like, I was doing, like, musical theater mostly um, because there weren't a lot of just, like, plays happening in these, like, community theaters. And I was acutely aware that I was able to be cast in these things in this setting because I wasn't the best singer and things. And, like, I was able to land certain roles here um, or there now because I'm no longer on Long Island. But, like, in those settings, I was able to, like, achieve a sense of stardom, if you will, that, like, I was scared to go into, like, the big pond, if you will, you know? (laughs) Like, I was scared to, like, leave that. Yeah, literally. So I went to three different colleges, and the first two that I went to were literally 15 minutes from the house I grew up in. Oh, so you could just stay at home. Yeah, my first semester I did stay at home, but then, because I went to a community college for my first semester, mm-hmm. um, and then I went to a university, and my dad actually like made me go dorm there <laughs> <laughs> because he had commuted to college um, when he went, and he was like, I missed out on like the dorming experience and I don't want you to miss out on that (laughs) um which I'm actually glad that he did because if I had stayed in their house I probably never would have transferred and moved to the city Um, and I probably would have like still been living in their basement right now 
Is it a nice basement? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was finished. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but they didn't let me live there. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is probably the best decision my parents have made. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to do it. It's just like, I have such a hard time leaving nests in general. I don't know why, because yeah. I enjoy it. Like, I very clearly enjoy living in new and different places. But every time I make the move, I'm like, this is trauma. <laughs> like, just well, crying. That's, yeah, I mean, I, like, literally, at the time, like, when I was in college, I had never left the Eastern time zone. Like, oh. I lived in New York my entire life. I, we, like, had gone to, like, Florida and D.C. and, like, Myrtle Beach and Hershey Park, but, like, on, like, summer vacations. But we never left the East Coast. Like, I never had left the East Coast. It wasn't until, like, I think 2016 I went to L.A. and it was the first time I had left the East Coast. And, yeah, it's it was just, like, this thing. And it's actually funny that I'm saying this now because I a week ago I moved to Philadelphia and so I left New York and I lived in New York for more than 28 years. And I, d I don't know anything else. Like I've never lived anywhere else. And I am like taking the plunge now and leaving that nest of like familiarity and of being able to walk to my brother's apartment, you know, mm -hmm. um, in case anything happens. And you can learn your comfort zone and then leave it. Um, and I made a very comfortable comfort zone in New York City, I think, over the past, like, 10 years. Yeah. Well, in, in New York, it's really, it's not easy, but it, it's, like, easier to create a queer, safe space, insular bubble. Right. I feel like every time I leave and go somewhere else, I'm like, whoa, where am I? <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's definitely... Like, like culture shock, even like state to state. Um, and I wouldn't have moved to Philly if I didn't know people here and have like queer and trans folks that are close to me um, that I can like gauge my safety through and all of that. Yeah, it wasn't just like a let's move to Philly decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes people have made stranger moves in the past year. Yeah, I'm not some people. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about your TikTok? <laughs> sure. What do you want to talk about? I think it's so okay. So I'm I'm uh, I'm deciding my generational divide is TikTok. I'm not on it. Um, <laughs> my father loves it. He's a huge fan. Uh, oh, that's amazing. But I was scrolling through yours, and I I love the way that you've been able to use it to be an advocate and be a teacher, but also through this like funny, warm lens. Oh, thank you. And was that like always your goal for using that platform or was that something you just like discovered as you were making things? Yeah, literally no. So, I mean, I downloaded TikTok to replace theater in my life and I downloaded it. I wasn't expecting to like have a lot of followers and I was just like, I found people like doing like duets and cute things on there where there would be like somebody playing piano to a song and then you could sing along with it. And I was like, Oh, this is like fun. This can like keep me creatively engaged in like small bursts um, without having to like do much um, while theater's not here. And then the election was happening 
and I couldn't help but be me a little bit on there, you know? There was an election? Um, I had no idea. There was an election, yeah. I don't know if you heard. Um, City council? (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, we elected um, some new white people into office, (laughs) and then um, a couple of tokens made their way in. I don't know how that happened, but... (laughs) I hate you. Yeah, so... I was talking about the election and started gaining followers who liked what I was talking about and then also was gaining followers who did not like what I was talking about. Um, And then an agent reached out to me, which I didn't know they had, like, social media agents. Um, Oh, like a specific social media agent. Right? Like they represent like influencers and things. Um, but they let me know about TikTok's creative learning fund where I joined and then was basically commissioned to make educational videos. And so it was a fund for anybody making like educational content. And I think I had to make like 40 videos in the span oh, of wow. two months. Um just teaching about anything I wanted to. Um, So I was able to, like, actually turn the platform into, like, legitimate advocacy um, and doing, like, that educational work, which making, like, kind of exclusively that content for a month or so was, like, really exhausting, and I really wanted to be a little more human on there. So I think I've, like, evened out since then. But yeah, then I joined just like the general creator fund that exists. So now I'm like paid per engagement, which is it's not much, you know, it's not a lot. Um, it's like passive income, but like I'm trying to be like accessible. And I think you were saying like warm <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in a way that like speaks to the things that I'm passionate about. Um, it's a really easy platform to like uplift other voices because I can just make a duet of somebody else's video and put it on my page um, in a way that like very clearly highlights and uplifts their voice. And yeah, I mean, I've made a couple of videos that have gotten like a lot of pushback from white supremacists and from conservatives. And I've gotten a lot of like it's my first time really being hit with like this level of like cyberbullying and death threats and all of those things. Um, not that I haven't gotten them before, but like I'm talking like every day and like every time I check my phone, seeing something like that. But that kind of comes with the territory, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not. It shouldn't. But yeah, I mean, I've been able to like control it to a point and I turned comments off on the videos where it was happening, hoping that those people would stop seeing my stuff. Um, But now I'm just getting comments on anything that I post with people yelling at me for having turned off my comments, (laughs) which I'm just like, all right. (laughs) But it's also funny to me because when people are just commenting on my shit to like make fun of it or like to say that I'm wrong or to misgender me, I'm in the creator fund now, so I get paid for that comment. So <laughs> you're feeding me. So thank you. Right. It's like, it's not that much money, but it's enough to be funny for me, you know? <laughs> it's enough to be petty about. Yeah. Which is always fun. Yeah. 
I think the one that the one that I literally walk around and quote all the time, which probably isn't the most like educational video you've put out, but it's when you're like, well, I think I was born a baby <laughs> and I'm going to die a legend. I'm like, if that's not a mantra, I don't know what. <laughs> I, yeah, I was proud of that one. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, because people are always like, you were born a man. And I'm like, okay, nobody's born a man. Like, nobody's coming out of the womb 30 years old. Like, that's not how humans work. The The fun thing about TikTok is that you can, like, respond directly to comments and you can, like, make a video on a comment, you know? Um, and that's, like, I... In June, when a lot of people were, like, suddenly interested in social justice advocacy work, um, my Instagram was full of, like, infographic and things that I've kind of left Instagram in the dust in a lot of ways because my focus has been on TikTok now because it's just become, like, my primary platform at this point. But TikTok is so much like easier for my brain to work with because I love educating. Like I love advocacy and I love teaching about these topics, but I'm really bad at deciding what to talk about. And I'm really bad at like thinking of ideas and like prompting the conversation. I'm very good at carrying out a conversation. I'm very bad at starting it um, or bad at like deciding what to start and TikTok gives me a direct way to let the audience tell me what they want me to talk about because I can just respond to comments. Um, and there's like a Q&A box on my profile where you can ask a question and I can answer it with a video, you know, in a way that like I didn't have on Instagram or I didn't have on Twitter or Facebook, you know. Isn't It's just so interesting to me, especially as we look back on last year like I don't know it's like being passive on social media wasn't an option anymore simply because like we were inside like what else am I what else am I gonna look at right you want me to read a book (laughs) there's not enough books um I feel like it just made every everything more heightened across every platform and it is cool and interesting to see someone like yourself using what I use to just post stupid things about like I'm horny or like look at me shirtless and like actually use it for a real purpose a helpful purpose I I I I will say I don't think we're complaining about you being horny and shirtless I just want (laughs) to put that out there (laughs) I think you're helping a lot of people well you know we all have to help each other. It, you know, it's a circle of life. <laughs> Everyone does their part. Everybody does their part. Everybody's helpful. So now that you're in Philly, what are you excited about? I Well, I'm excited. I have my own place for the first time in my life. So I've been really enjoying privacy and like knowing where all of the things are because everything is there because I put it there, you know? Um, Yeah. In a way that, like, I've never got to experience before. I'm, like, investing in, like, a new brand of happiness for myself. Um, Hopefully, at least. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to, like, learn a new city and just, like, learn 
new surroundings. I I like to go for really long walks when the weather is nice. Like I'm talking long walks. Like I walk like Brooklyn to Manhattan. Like I go on like 20 mile walks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember every once in a while you would post something. You're like, I've walked basically the into every borough last yeah. night. Like how? <laughs> yeah. Like when I was doing safe word, I was working, like we were in hell's kitchen and I was living by prospect park and I would walk to the theater like at least three times a week. Wow. Yeah. I I just like to walk. I don't know. That's nice. That's a good thing. Yeah. And so I figured, like, especially in COVID, like, sometimes, like, my walk is the only thing I do in that day. Um, Mm -hmm. So I figured if I'm going to be going on long walks, might as well get some new surroundings, you know? Might as well, like, learn a new city while I'm walking. And so, like, this summer I'm excited to, like, explore philadelphia and see what's around well and especially like we've just learned so much that you can be anywhere and be an actor right with with this year you know like it it you don't have to be in new york you don't have to be in la right And that's, I mean, I chose Philadelphia because it's close enough to New York that, like, I can be back. It's a two-hour bus ride, and I can be there if I book a TV show or something. Or when I book a TV show or something. (laughs) Let's put that in the world. Yeah, it's just everything felt smaller because we were just kind of by ourselves. But then also, I think in our industry, a lot of things opened up because everybody had to deal with, I'm just going to send you a video. And if you like me, we'll go from there. Right. So I, I'm i hopeful that there might be more like, I'm an actor who lives in Nebraska kind of life for people. Because, yeah. you know, New York's not for everybody. Right. And like, I think it can, it's not the full piece of the puzzle, but I think it can start to like chip away at the like elitist vibe of the industry where like, if you can't afford to live in New York, you don't have to like struggle through in order to get to these auditions. Right. Cause it's, it's layers on layers of, okay, I'm in New York. New York's expensive. I have to get a job to pay these bills. Right. Now I'm always at this job and I can't just leave it to go audition for something that's going to give me $125 and a cookie. So then <laughs> right. it's like, when do I when do I do the thing I moved here for? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that there's some sort of hybrid moment between being able to submit virtually and being in person, especially for initial auditions as we go forward. I hope for that too. Although, like, I also I've been like saying that I've done like I did four TV shows in two years. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. one of them was a self-tape because I was out of town when the audition was. Um, but the other three were in-person auditions. And they were also the only in-person TV auditions that I had in those two years. So you're 100% which, success rate. Yeah. <laughs> in the time that I've been working with my managers, I've booked every TV show I went in for in person. 
So now I'm like, oh, great. Auditions aren't happening in person anymore. I've lost my edge. Like, <laughs> because it is a completely different ball field, right? Yeah, um, 100%. Like, being in, like, the casting office is so different from being in your living room and being like, well, let's see if this lands, you know? Because, yeah, in person you can be like, you can show your your personality in a way that through a video it's like, Oh, whoops, I like accidentally messed up, but I still sent this video to you. It has right. a different feeling than like being in the room and forgetting a word. Yeah. It's it's a whole other monster. I think it's time that we ask the question of the pot. Oh goodness. So maybe we have talked about your guidance counselor dreams, <laughs> your advocacy, your creative work, the fact that you walk everywhere. And I have to ask. Why are you like this? Trauma. Ah. Years of trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Just a light answer. (laughs) I mean, yeah, when it comes down to it, I think everything that I do and everything that I am can be traced back to some form of trauma. Um, I mean, like I grew up in a world where I wasn't being seen I grew up in a world where I didn't have language for the things I was experiencing. And everything I do now is to fight for that kid who needed somebody to speak up for them. And everything that I do is for kids like me who are going through similar things or trying to figure out the ways that they should be seen and the ways that they can be appreciated and loved. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't like to think of an acting career as a trauma response, but I guess it kind of is, you know? Like, I try to be the representation that I didn't have when I was a kid. There's that, like, quote of, she needed a hero, so that's what she became. And that's kind of exactly what I'm trying to do. Like I'm thinking of myself at eight or 12 years old, whenever I'm on TV, like whenever I'm doing the work that I'm doing, whenever I'm teaching and spreading like advocacy work, I'm doing it for that kid. I think that is a gorgeous and B gives your art a groundedness and a focus that even when you're being silly shines through in a way that I, I think not a lot of people have that ability. I think that's a very special talent that you have. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that's also a piece of the puzzle of why I play kids so often. Cause I do get played. I get, I get cast to play like, under the age of 18, a lot. And, like, right in, like, the 12 age range, often, actually. Um, And I think it's because my focus is that kid. Like, I used to write a blog called Dear Baby Maybe, where I was talking to my 12-year-old self. And that came out of, like, part of it was inspired by when I was playing a 12-year-old in a musical And so I was thinking about myself at 12 a lot at the time. 
but I think like my energy is focused on queer kids and trans and non-binary kids specifically knowing that they're okay and knowing that they're right about who they are. And I think that like helps inform my performances when I play those kids. But I also like, I just think kids need more in like the stories that we're telling. And like, I've jokingly said that like my mission statement with my acting career is to give agency back to characters under the age of 18. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, there's like so much kids know that we don't know as adults. And there's like parts of ourselves that we lose and like parts of our imagination that fall away that there's like so much to be told in a story about a child like possibilities are endless and I think that's also just like a beautiful framework for this like social justice landscape of like unlearning the things that we've internalized in the world and realizing that the possibilities are endless, like the ways we've been raised and the society that we've come to know was made up, right? Like everything Mm -hmm. is made up, language is made up, and we can build a new one. It's like the book Frindle. Frindle? Did you read Frindle? Frindle? No, I want to now though. Okay, so it's a children's book. And the entire premise is that this kid decides that he is going to change, he's going to come up with a word for a pencil, and it's going to be frindle. Oh, amazing. And then he, like, gets it in, I don't know where you get, like, an official word it, in the dictionary, dictionary? eventually. But yeah. <laughs> in the dictionary, is that where it goes? Okay. <laughs> I've heard they have words in there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's about, it's a, it's just about how language is, adaptable and movable as our thoughts and ideas to think that anything that we currently do is set in stone is frankly boring. Right. That's, I mean, it's so funny to me, the ways that people like get mad at queer communities for like making up words. And I'm like, you know, all words were made up, right? Like that's what we're mad at. That's what words are. They're mad at words being created until they're on, like, a cute coffee. Like, a little cute coffee mug. Right. <laughs> so it's like, slay work, mama. You're like, what? You're drinking Lipton's tea. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I, I think you're a wonderful artist to be doing this for queer and trans uh, kids. Especially because it's just as important to see our stories be told through a melodrama on HBO Max and a silly sitcom on CBS. Yes. If all of your stories are only considered prestige drama, then you're not, like, we're not there yet. Right. And, like, that's the, like, bit of representation that, like, I'm most excited about is, like, I just want to be, like, a quirky best friend on a sitcom, right? Like, give me that Kimmy Gibbler slot and I'm good to go. I can do the heart-wrenching trauma. Like, I can play that ball field. But, like, what I want in terms of, like, representation and what I want kids to see is my trans joy. Like, what I want people to understand is 
the like human side of me outside of that trauma that's informing everything that I'm doing. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, that quirky best friend, like that quirk is a defense mechanism, but you don't need to know that. <laughs> you don't need to know how we got here, but know that I'm having a good time. Right. Like experiencing and understanding joy. Cause I think the more that we like play the trauma stories and the more that we do the like, representation of the hard times the more that we perpetuate the hard times and like Mm -hmm. it's not that those stories aren't important I think they are very important but life imitates art as much as art imitates life and I think if we start seeing happy funny and silly characters on tv people will know that if they live and look like that they can also be happy funny and silly Right, because if you're only if you're only seeing trauma and you're recognizing yourself in it, it doesn't make you want to step out and live an authentic life. Right. It's it's a, it's not an enticing offer to only be in sad dramatic stories where like you lose everybody. Right. And it's like it's scary to watch some of the trans narratives that are on TV. Like even though they are real stories and they are, they do feel legitimate. If all you're seeing is like the trans sex workers who get murdered and like discrimination and misgendering and people making fun of you and being harassed in the bathrooms, you're going to be scared to leave your house. (laughs) Like if that's all the representation that you're seeing, especially if you live in like, small town in the middle of the country where you don't know other people like you and you don't see real life depictions like TV is how most people get to know people who don't look like them or people who don't look like their neighbors at least. Um, And so I think of it as a responsibility to like let people know and not even just trans people, but like let cis people know that like we can be happy and cute. Mm hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there should be both sides of the coin. There should be an insane, funny comedy. There should be real, true drama stories. There should be horrible things that people watch on Netflix while they cook and don't pay attention to. Like, just more. Just more, 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 more. I want more. Uh, Yeah, I love that the, like, cooking show you don't pay attention to reference because, like, That, honestly, like, at my core, what I would love to be is mediocre. Because I do think of myself as mediocre in a lot of ways. But because I'm trans, I'm seen as a spectacle. And I'm seen as, like, this, like, fascinating thing. Where, like, I do think there are parts of me that are wonderful, obviously. Um, And, like, I'm talented and all of that. I'm not saying I'm a mediocre actor, But, like, I would love to be in something where I can just be, like, part of the story and not necessarily, like, the inspiration and, like, heart-wrenching, like, oh, my gosh, thank you for sharing your trauma for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, replaying trauma for cis consumption in a way that, like, I just want to be normal. And, like, normal doesn't exist, right? But I want to be, like seen as at the same level and at the same 
amount of emotional labor, the same amount of preparation, the same amount of everything as my cis counterparts in whatever I'm doing. Yeah, you want to be like like all the Chris's in Hollywood. Right. Maybe. Right. They're all totally fine. Yeah, but like talk about mediocrity getting you to stardom. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I can't wait for you to be a mediocre Hollywood star. I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, as we are getting towards the end of our time together, I ask all of my guests this questions, but do you have any questions for me? I do, Ryan. Why are you like this? <laughs> pew, pew. Uh, <laughs> it's trauma. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm sure there there are bases of trauma in this, uh, but <laughs> I I think I think people are interesting, and I don't think we talk to each other anymore. I think we I think we post and go. I think, and this is I sound like I'm 60. I'm like, and then because you only see each other on the Facebook, it, it's not real. But and I I'm 29, so I'm like part of the generation that was like. We got MySpace at like 14, 13, and then like Facebook happened. And I can see that social media has cut down on our communication levels. So I don't even know what it would be like to grow up with it. Um, but for me, I just, I, I'm like this because I, I just truly value sitting down and having an important conversation with somebody um, that doesn't have to feel like a big dramatic moment. It's just like, I want to talk about you and hear about you in a way that makes you feel good, happy, and excited about the things you do. And then I want to share that because I think that's how we create a happier and safer world for all people. It's like the short version of why I'm like this. Yeah, no, I love that. That's actually like, yeah, because social media has created this like false sense of connection with folks where like, like what I was talking about earlier that I feel like a lot of people have this view of me as like thirsty for stardom is probably coming from people I don't talk to anymore who just see me on social media and are mm -hmm. just seeing that I'm working and like doing the things and like, yeah, you said if you sit down for five minutes in a room with me, you might know that that's not true. Um, but, like, social media makes it so that, like, we think we're connected to people, even though we're not actually talking to them. We're, like, seeing what they're just, like, posting into the void. Like, we're talking at each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just, we're interacting with the created avatar of people. Oof. So I'm sure if I'm somebody who knew maybe growing up and then I just see that you cranked out 40 videos on TikTok in a month <laughs> without understanding the like backing behind it. For me, if I'm sitting at home, my TikTok is just me cooking and it's silly and stupid. But right. if I'm watching you do it, I'm like, well, they very clearly are just trying to get famous. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, fun fact, bitch, already famous. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But they would just know if they just reached out. It's not like you won't respond. 
Well, that's not always true. I don't respond to some messages I get. Well, yeah, I mean. (laughs) But, like, if it's somebody, like, I knew in high school, yeah, I do. You know, so it's just, I just want everyone to be a little bit better about talking to each other, myself included. I'm, I'm no saint, but I think, I think we need to focus on making real true conversation a thing again. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, maybe this has been so, so lovely. Um, can you, where can the children find you? Oh, the children. Um, social like tiktok yeah um (laughs) i'm at believe in maybe on i think on all social media except facebook which is just my name maybe burke and yeah maybe burke.com i don't know philadelphia you can find me there um (laughs) just walking the streets for hours yeah you'll just find me guzzling water in the middle of the city there lost and not knowing where I live anymore. <laughs> Having a grand old time, but definitely lost. Yeah. You know, happy, yeah. but uninformed. Well, <laughs> happy, but uninformed is definitely the title of ep. So <laughs> the way most of the country exists, it seems. <laughs> well, once again, this was so, so great. Thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to chat with you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.